Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... My name's Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to a place where we sit around, have a chat by the fire about some of the best and possibly worst video games out there. And Um, what the best and uh, favourite fires are as well. Yep. Indeed. That's, right. That's what we do. How are you? Frustrated today. Um, okay. I was I was in good spirits until about half an hour ago, uh, but I've ordered a wall mount for my PS5 because uh, I've I've recently mounted my Xbox to my wall next to my TV in my living room, and I just bought one for my PS5. But I've done it really skewed, and it looks really bad. So I'm returning it, and I'm getting a better wall mount because I've done a really bad job of putting it up. Um, so I've got to, got to take that down when uh, when we finished here because it looks absolutely cack. So uh, <laughs> it's been it's That's been a... good. Are you well? Yeah, yeah, I'm alright. I'm uh, I'm not going to say tired because I'm sure the listener is bored of me saying I'm tired. But maybe I, they're uh, tired I'm... too. Yeah, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. We all um, are. Yes. So without further ado. Let's talk about our game this week. Our game this week is number 81 on the Metacritic list. Number 81 is The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, and it has a score of 94. This is a bit curious in the way that it enters the list, because, as you may be aware, um, there was a recent release uh, called The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Complete Edition, which is... um, a version for the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, which has uh, high resolution, HDR, uh, improved textures, some tweaks here and there to make it a, a, a smoother, better experience. It's got some that additional version... content from the Netflix show as well, hasn't it? Has it? I didn't know that. Yeah, like I think it's just like a little side quest, but apparently it's done like quite well. Okay, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I'll have to uh, check that out because I am still playing it. Um, I've almost finished the main quest, but I'm still dabbling here and there as well. Um, so the complete edition, interestingly enough, comes in higher than the original version. So this game, in it, in its own way, we, we often ask the question, does it deserve to be there today in, in modern times? Well, this game has been vindicated by critics in that as recently as December and January um, on the Xbox it has been repositioned in this list higher than the original version so um, it probably messes up our chart of games a bit as well because the newer version places higher than the original version and actually places above other games so we've got it as 81 but it actually might be a bit higher maybe around 75 oh Um, no not list admin yeah, just to confuse everyone. Great. So the version that places the highest is the PlayStation 5 version. Um, very slightly below it is the Series X version. Um, as far as I know, there's not much difference between those versions, but you always get a bit of variance on the reviews um, because you get all the 
exclusive platform reviews, so you get like the PlayStation magazine and the Xbox magazine reviewing it slightly differently. Um, the original version came out in the year 2015, and as we usually do, uh, do you have any history with this game or the series The Witcher? No, well, with the game, yeah. I mean, it's um, it was one of those games, wasn't it, that was very highly anticipated, same as um, Cyberpunk 2077. Because uh, it's um, CD Projekt Red, isn't it, that developed it? Yes, so correct. I've I tried to get into this game in about twenty, maybe late twenty fifteen, early twenty sixteen, when friend of the podcast James had a copy on his PS four, and I fancied giving it a go. I don't think he'd got into it from memory, um, so he let me have a raz on it, and I think a waz on it. I did a waz on it for any of our international listeners. That's uh, that's slang for a urine, a little wee wee. Um, however, that isn't what I did. I had a raz, not a waz. Um, so I had a little raz, no no urinating. You on doing that on games, please. Yeah, you can't, especially on games that don't belong to me. It's un- unacceptable, really, isn't it? It really is. Are it you a really cat? is. Who do I think I am? The game wizard. So I think I probably played about two two and a half hours of it maybe up to the point where you try and track down the griffin um yeah and then i just fell off i got really bored of it so that was it until about two or three years ago maybe a little bit more uh i thought i'd give it another go so i, I started it again from the beginning uh, played a bit more this time. I got up to the point where you go and see the crones and they give you a flashback as to what's going on with Siri uh, when she's being chased through the forest. Um, and at that point, I fell off again and I, I didn't continue. And that was actually where I picked the game back up this time because uh, I remembered all the stuff from previous because I'd played through it twice before. Um, but other than that, no history. I've I've played it now three times fallen off it twice and yeah it was one of those games i never really got the hype with so that's my history and i've not played any of the other games i've not watched the tv series and i've not read any of the books either so it's it's just witcher 3 that i have experience with what about yourself so i was first introduced to the witcher um in the year 2012 so we were on our summer holidays from university um, after first year and I was playing games over the summer I played uh, Dark Souls for the first time and I picked up The Witcher 2 because I just I'd seen it around and it looked interesting it looked like this kind of epic RPG that not many people were talking about um, but it looked like it had a budget behind it. And this was when games like um, Oblivion and Skyrim were very popular. And The Witcher seemed to be doing something similar um, from an outsider looking in. So I, I played The Witcher 2 and I was very impressed with it. I didn't really come back to The Witcher until I finally got a PS4. And I think I mentioned on the podcast that I got the PS4 slightly later than other people. And one of the games that I actually, no, I didn't buy on the PS4. My friend gave me his copy. I don't know why he gave me his copy, um, but he'd finished it. He really enjoyed it and he gave me his copy. And I think I've still got his copy on the PS4. I started playing, got very hooked, 
decided um, I needed to find out more about this world. So then I started reading the books. So I've read all the Witcher books. I kind of had a binge at that time, which must have been 2016 um, and read through all the all of the books um, almost back to back. And the books in some ways are, are better than uh, the games, better than um, the TV show. Um, they're they are excellent fantasy books and they to me they stand up against things like Lord of the Rings and they're just brilliant and he's a brilliant writer um, Andrzej Sapkowski yeah he's, he's um, Polish isn't it The Witcher he is yeah, yeah. it's Weedsman in, in, in Polish so yeah I read through the books finished um, Witcher 3 uh, completed all the DLC and I've not gone back to The Witcher 3 since then actually um, but I was I was quite looking forward to doing it Obviously, we started the podcast in 2020. Yeah, um, February. And I was very aware that Witcher 3 was on this list, so I kind of um, hadn't played it again, knowing that it was coming up on the list. But I did buy the Switch version, and I still not played that version, funnily enough. So, yeah, I've got... Um, I would say that I'm a big fan of The Witcher. I'd say it's actually one of my favourite franchises. And that, that period where I was reading the books back-to-back, I remember really fondly in my life. Yeah. And I'm actually uh, rereading the books at the moment because this was an excuse to start doing that again. So what version did you play for the podcast? So I played the version that I got when I first picked up the game, which was the PS4 disc version, Uh, but I played it on my PS5 um, when it wasn't unplugged and mounted to my wall in a poor condition. And did Um, you have an update before you played it? Yes, so it updates it, doesn't it, to the the newer version for free. Yeah, um, which is quite cool, really. Yeah, 100%. Not a lot of companies would do that. Um, so, yeah, it, um, it, it was a good version. It ran well. It, it's one of those things I could never really understand how someone had managed to get a game like The Witcher 3 to run on the Switch. Because... Yeah, it was one of those miracle ports. Yeah, like crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I played it on the PS5 this time. Uh, what about you? I played it on the Series X. I did the same as you. I played the... Um the Xbox One version, which uh, updated a couple of times while I was playing it, actually, because they're still making changes to it. Yeah. And um, it does look a lot nicer than it did back then. Um, and it I looked good back to... then as well. Yeah, it did. It, it, was a, it was a very good-looking game. It was one of the more impressive early... Because um, it wasn't that late in the generation. Where it made, no, it was 2015. Yeah, it Two years. too late. Yeah, it, it was a couple of years in, and I think it was one of the, the, the first games to alongside maybe Metal Gear Solid 5 to showcase what the uh, what the current gen at the time could do. Yeah. Um, you had these big expansive open worlds and, and lots of games followed in, in the footsteps of The Witcher 3 and Metal Gear Solid 5, for better or worse. Um, so it looks nice. I did intend to play it on the Switch as well. So I was, I was intending to use cross-save and... Um, which means that you can play, you can continue your save on the Switch or the Xbox. But I just didn't, didn't do it. Um, but I do fully intend to play the Switch version at some point because I've heard it's actually a, a very good port given the limitations of the, the, the hardware. So um, do you want to give us a rundown of the plot of this game? Yeah, so um, like like you said, this this is a fantasy game and it takes place in a very fantasy-esque world. Um, so the, the game revolves around the Witcher, who is um, a character called Geralt, and the main plot of the game is trying to track down 
effectively his adopted daughter Siri, who is um, she's like a like a rare elf or something, isn't she? Um, who has got like these special powers? However, because she has these powers within her, she's not she, an elf, but she's from she's from a, she's from a bloodline that descends from elves. Yeah, uh, high elves. I think that is the way it is. Special, um, and because she's got these specific powers, she's being pursued by um, a group called the Wild Hunt, which have always been seen to be like a like a myth or something, but they do exist and they're chasing Siri down. Uh, and the game starts with, with Geralt having a dream of, um, you know, many years ago at what's the place called the Witcher house. Ken Cameron. Yeah. Cameron. Um, and he has a dream that the, 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 while he's training a young Siri while she's, while she's a little girl, um, the, the wild hunt come and, and, and steal her. And that that wakes him up. And the the main quest, I suppose, of the game is basically trying to track her down. It's years later. She's a young woman. Following in her footsteps. Yeah. And realistically, this game is is one big follow quest. Uh, You know, right at the start, you're trying to track down Yennefer, who is like a love interest of Geralt's, one of two, the other being Triss, uh, who I think both star in the previous games. Um, uh, so Yennefer wasn't in um, Witcher 2 that I remember. I, funnily enough, I've also started playing Witcher 1. I've not mentioned that, but um, mm. that was one of the reasons I got my gaming laptop because that game is not... It's a no. PC-only game and it's not tremendously accessible these days. No. So, um, yeah, you, you're tracking down Yennefer. You then find her. She takes you to go and meet the Emperor, who is the real father of Ciri. And he tasks you with trying to find her. Uh, from there, you go to uh, Novigrad, Novigrad. Uh, from uh, so memory, you go to Velen first of all, and then Novigrad. Yeah, and then you go to Skellige. Skellige. Um, in Skellige, you get a little bit closer to to Siri. After, you're doing a lot of side quests during as well. This game's very side quest heavy. It um, is, and you eventually do catch up to Siri. You think that she's dead. However, she isn't. Uh, at which point you are told to go back to Velen to find a creature called an Uma, who uh, but basically the, the, the game is a, a fetch quest to find Siri. Uh, and that's kind of where I stopped playing it, where you go and try and find the Uma. Um, that was kind of where I fell off. And the Uma is the one that, that leads you to Siri, isn't it? Yeah, so the so Uma is as is as you can tell, I didn't complete this game and I didn't follow the story very well. So Uma is transformed back into Avalak, who is a character from the series, um, who has been helping Siri, and then he gives you the location of Siri, and then you go and find her. Then you have a sort of a last stand against um, the Wild Hunts um, at Kermoran with. All the characters that all your mates. you have, yeah. Well, the, well, this game, this game reminds me a lot. It's the first time I've drawn this comparison in my mind to this game. Um, I, I did it while I was playing. This game reminds me a lot of another game that we played on this list, and it's probably not what you'd think. Um, you might think I'd say Oblivion or Skyrim because it, visually, um, yeah. it, it's got a lot in common with those games. But the game that I'm thinking of is Mass Effect Two. Where yeah, you're you're acquiring friends. 
Yeah, it's very much story based and character driven, and you've got your your team, and you've got your side quest for your team, and then you've got your everything builds up to that really Suicide great mission. final mission. Yeah, and within that mission, you can lose several party members if you make bad decisions. Um, and what The Witcher does, it, it doesn't. It's not quite on that level in terms of the last mission and and getting your friends together to help you um but if you have completed side quests related to those characters you can ask them to come along with you um for that final mission and then vesemir who is Geralt's old man friend uh, yeah his his tutor his um sort of father figure his obi-wan um, kenobi yeah he 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 dies of spoilers and um, then you go off looking for the Wild Hunt members. There's like stuff after that, which really feels like the ultimate mission. But there's stuff after that where you kill. Um, well, I, so this is the bit that I'm on at the moment. And um, I do need my memory jogged on this bit. So uh, you're going after the Wild Hunt members when they're off duty. So I'm about to um, go after one of them. And they're with back with those lovely crones of crookback bog um on, on their so, day off yeah in terms of the story of i mean listeners might be if you don't know the witcher that well and even if you do know it a little bit you might be wondering where the game's place in terms of the tv show in terms of the, the books so chronologically the books come first the books end and i think it's five years after the books have ended um, Witcher 1 happens and then you've got this kind of new story, this continuation of the story from the books in in the form of the games and the TV show kind of picks different things from the games, from the books and tells its own story with them but chronologically that the games follow the books so I think that's quite important to know right. but yeah, that's that's the plot Yes, it's it's standard uh, fantasy action RPG, isn't it? Um, and you know the, the the plot is very much linked in with the world that it builds, and it's know, about the... the world for me. It's, it's the the plot is I I love the characters, and I think that drives me along the story. But it, you're right, it is it's very much a story where you're chasing characters, and because of that, um. You never feel entirely in the present until you found Siri. You always I feel think, like you're going off on tangents. Yeah, I think that might be where my main problem with this game is because, I mean, for anyone that's listened for a while knows how I get on with certain games and can probably tell from my vibe that I didn't really enjoy this game that much. And I really wasn't sure how I was going to get on with it this time because I've fallen off it twice before. And... That isn't to say that it was doomed because, you know, I've fallen off Ocarina of Time a few times and I managed to complete that. Same with Wind Waker and, and Majora's Mask. But I just really struggle getting into this game. And I know there's a load of really cool side quests that you can do. And this is really it's classified as one of the best games ever. But I just couldn't, I couldn't get into it. And I don't know why. And I think I did quite well to get as far as I did. But... Do you think maybe it's maybe it's that um, so my often you're not you've got your main quest your main quest involves Siri, yeah. Yennefer, Geralt, 
And for much of the game, you're doing other things. You've got these diversions which take yeah. you completely. I mean, a good example of that is the uh, the Bloody Baron, yeah, um, which is the the first child. kind of key character that you can potentially recruit in Velen, and Velen itself feels like a. I think it's the slowest area in the game. I, I do think the game picks up after Velen, but it feels like a huge divergence from what you're, what you want to do as the player, which is to to, to find Siri and um, you want to advance the plot, but you can't because you've got to go and help this bloody Baron find his wife and his daughter. And there are quite a few quests that involve you doing that. And really, if you're following the story, you can't, progress until you've concluded those um some of them are side quests but some are considered main quests so you're continually pulled this way and that and because of that i can understand why especially it's a very long game why some people may not have the drive to, to carry on to the end yeah it i think i mean i, I like games i like i like games with side quests sorry um, but this felt like a game that was very much the case of you can't continue until you've done X, Y, and Z on the side, whereas I just wanted to crack on. Yeah. And, yeah, I'd, I, I don't know. I, we, we, we'll get more into it as we go along, I imagine. Yeah, yeah maybe, it's, maybe, it's, we'll, maybe we'll discover um, kind of what it was and yeah. uh, as we talk about it, because we have got various topics to get through. Um, so what do you do in this game? Witcher things. You do um, it, it, it's effectively quest given, isn't it? But it's it's a third person action RPG. So um, a lot of this game is focused around its combat. Um, which to be fair, the combat's really good. You um have two swords, one made of steel, which is primarily used for humans, and then one used of silver, which is primarily used for monsters. As a Witcher is a being that is kind of classed as someone that removes monsters and you know can can sort problems like that out so the silver sword is used for that and then as well as that um you have a few other kind of like magic abilities um which are very basic but they're in line with what witches can do as well yeah. um but a lot of this game so is a distinction between witches and sorceresses yeah. um, who have a lot more magical powers so that's why you've got a limited tool set of powers um but yeah yeah, ex exactly. Um, and then a, a lot of this game is traversal as well. Um, you know, traversing the the environment with your horse, uh, Roach. Great name for a horse. But yeah, that's that's the basis for the game, really. Combat, quest completion and traversal, I would say. And then the occasional yeah. game of Gwent. Yeah, I think that, that about covers it. And there's also some... There's some side quests that are very conversation heavy and there's a lot of um, yeah. some decision making here and there and there's a lot of dialogue. Um, some of those are really enjoyable. Some are not so enjoyable. But um, OK, so you mentioned the combat. So is The Witcher 3 fun to play? Yeah, I think the game plays fun. Um, it just depends how you play it and what routes and paths you go down. But as a whole, I'd say that it's it's a fun game. The combat flows really well, um, and the, the the scaling feels quite fair as well. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say it's fun. I'm guessing you agree. I think it's decent. I think um, 
I think combat's been done better elsewhere. I yeah. think sometimes it feels a bit too heavy on the animations. I think it tries to do the Dark Souls thing, but it doesn't achieve it as well as Dark Souls. But at the same time, it's very functional and it's a lot better than, to me, something like Skyrim or Oblivion. Um, well, there you so, have it, yeah, folks. Stan admits that he hates The Witcher 3. <laughs> so in terms of the combat, I think... Um, I think it's uh, decent, and it can be fun and it can be punchy. But I will one thing I will credit this game and say is that often with RPGs you feel like every two minutes you're getting into combat. But I didn't feel like that with The Witcher Three. I feel like you can talk your way out of many things. Um, often you're going into cities, exploring, talking to people, and the combat remains fresh because of that, because it doesn't overdo it. Um, so I think that's a good thing as well. And I, th I think the, the biggest thing, you say traversal, and I suppose you could call it exploration as well. Um, I think that aspect of it is is fun. Just seeing what this world has to offer. Um, exploring the cities, exploring the countryside. I think it could be better. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's decent for, for a game from 2015. Yeah, I, I think it relies far too heavily on the um, the thing that I believe Grand Theft also introduced, which is those um, those way markers with the guides along yep. the map, which I I turned off the um, the the line guiding you there. But I left you the way you, you can turn all that stuff off, can't you? Unless you use your Witcher senses, and then it will come back on briefly, which I think is probably the best way to play it. I um I watched a video about the Witcher uh, quite a while ago. Um, there's called game makers talk at the channel is and um i think he says and i think he's he's correct in his um statement he says that the witcher 3 gives you the option to turn everything off on the hud but the game is not built for that like when when people give you quests and locations um they don't give you enough detail to find them on your own so uh without those way markers being there you're kind of left a bit stuck, a bit lost. Um, this is not designed necessarily to be played without the HUD, uh, and it, and it probably leaves some some gaps in. You can tell games that are designed that way. If it was designed that way, it would say it would give you street names, and it would say, "Or oh, here, here is where you find this person." Um, but it didn't do that, and yeah, I, I, what, I think what it have... relies a bit too heavily on Satnav. Yeah, that's the problem with a lot of modern games. One of my um, one of my best mates, he will primarily try to play games with the hood off completely. Um, and I mean, he's got like a he's got a really nice like seventy five inch um, like UHD OLED TV, so it looks fantastic. And when he plays these games with the hood off, it looks amazing. Like playing games like Star Wars Battlefront Two or Battlefield, um, these games look ama amazing without the hood because you can lose yourself in them a lot more. But the issue that you've got is so many games will just not give you the option to do that. And a, a good example of that, um, I think it was a video by a YouTuber called Nakey Jakey who talked about the game design of Rockstar and how it's outdated. And trying to play Red Dead Redemption 2 without the minibap, it's impossible. You just can't do it. And it's a shame that so many get, uh, games rely on that element these days because you just cannot play these games without the sat nav enabled you know and you know i think having a bit more faith in players if they did want to play it without that help 
I think it would go a long way. Yeah, it's almost like, dare I say it, developers use it as a bit of a crutch and then they yeah. don't have to put in, or they don't have to intricately design something so that it makes it player proof. Instead, they could just stick these way markers there and mm. everyone can find their way there. So a good example of where it went wrong for me was I was in Novigrad. Um, Novigrad is quite a vertical city and I had a way marker that was pointing underground but because I'd switched off the sat-nav element, I only had the way marker. So I knew it was underground, but I didn't know how to get there. So I spent a long time um, looking around for this, this entrance into this underground place that I knew was down there. Um, and eventually I just turned on the way, the, uh, the sat-nav briefly and I worked out how to get there. Yeah, but, it's a shame that you have to do that. Yeah, that, that that's just an example that probably... Um, to be honest, that was the only time that I, I came across it, but I was still using the way markers. Without the way markers, I can't imagine yeah. um, doing this game, to be honest, but I'm sure some people have. Um, okay, so do you have a favourite move? I don't have a favourite move, but my favourite thing to do is I quite enjoy playing Gwent. Um, okay. I, like I, I, didn't, I didn't do a load of it, but I enjoyed what I played. Um, for anyone that doesn't know the game, um, Gwent is an in-game card game that you can play with NPCs, um, and it's 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 one of those things. Like, I I quite enjoy an occasional card game in a game, uh, in a video game. Sorry, uh, like the one in Final Fantasy IX. I don't mind Final Fantasy VIII's card game is really good. I think it's from memory. It's called Triple Triad, um, but I quite enjoy a card game and. Gwent is so popular to the point that it spawned its own Steam game, I think, and you can actually buy decks of Gwent cards that you can it's got, uh, play in real life. It's got Thronebreaker, um, the, the Witcher Tales or something like that. Um, and that's, I believe it's about Gwent. Yeah. It's it's really popular like outside of the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. You, you can play it just as a card game on its own. And it's one of those funny things. I, I love card game elements in video games because like the world could be ending and everything could be awful. It's like I finished the stuff for the for the bloody Baron and he's talking about how awful everything is. I was like, oh, do you fancy a game of Gwent? He's like, yeah, but I never lose. And then he lost to me. Um, and the you know, sad music's playing when he's talking about his wife. And that's right. And then you have a game of Gwent. And it's yeah, I'm just like, fancy a game of Gwent. Um, but yeah, I, I quite enjoy Gwent. Um, it's... It's a nice little addition in there. It's like a game within a game, I think. So that would be my answer. What about you? Yeah, I think that's a good answer. Um, in terms of the the, the, the sort of um, kinetic gameplay, I'd say quite like the um, the finishing moves that you can do occasionally. They're fun. Yeah. Um, just dodging and rolling's fun in this game. You have to get used to, to dodging because you'll just get wiped out otherwise. Um yeah, this isn't a game that I enjoy for the, the gaminess of it. There are games that I enjoy for the gameplay purely, and this is not one of those games. This game I enjoy for all the stuff around the gameplay. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a, a strong answer for that, but yeah. Okay, I wanted to talk about the world and the regions. We've mentioned Velen, we've, we've mentioned uh, Novigrad and Skelliger. So do you want to describe um, the, the regions that there are in this game and... Then we'll maybe talk a bit about how the design between the areas uh, changes. So yeah, do you want to start with Velen? Yeah, so Velen's the um, really the opening place, isn't it? It's very much like uh, medieval English 
like if, if you've seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, haven't you? Yeah. So the way that I would describe um, Velen is where King Arthur, for anyone that has seen that film, traverses around on his horse. Like there are little villages with like small houses or mud huts, and it's it very much feels like a European medieval town from like the 1200s or something yeah um is how i would describe velen what what, would you add add anything to that it's very swampy it's very it's, it's got green areas but it's quite an ugly desolate place and Geralt describes velen later on um i think he says awful place and you as the player experiencing that place you think well it is awful um you see bodies hanging from trees and it's um at times the witch is quite a grotesque game and it likes to be grotesque and and i feel like that's one of the things that makes it stand out from some of its counterpart parts it's not trying to be beautiful all the time um and it shows that that kind of rougher edge and velen is to me the epitome of that yeah i know what you mean it's very different from the other areas in the game isn't it because um, I mean, when when you get to no- no- Novigrad, it, it feels like Novigrad feels like um, to me anyway. It feels like something like you know Lisbon, like in, in Portugal. Yeah. It feels like Lisbon. Um, not that I've ever been to Lisbon, but I've seen pictures of Lisbon, and that's kind of what I think of when I I think of Novigrad when I see photos of it or when I run through it. Um, it it's very much like a a town on the coast i suppose um and yeah i i thought that no novigrad was my favorite place to be uh compared to velen and what i did play of skellige um but i it gave me very big lisbon vibes i don't know what you think yeah so so just going back to velen quickly the i'd say the design of it is it's very much from a gameplay perspective it's it's a large field dotted with settlements yeah and Hyrule Field and, yeah and and th- there's a lot of space between places whereas Novigrad is surprisingly large it's a surprisingly large city with uh it doesn't look big on the map but when you run through it no. it feels a lot bigger than it is it's like a yeah, TARDIS it's, yeah it's, it's 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 a large city and, and then you've got the verticality in there you've got the sewers you've got um you can get onto some of the rooftops um you've got some aisles that are much higher than other places and you spend a lot of time in in, in Novigrad um, but because of the the change of setting you're no longer in the field you're in the city it feels um, it feels quite different and one of the things I like about this game is that there are no loading times between going in buildings you can walk from Novigrad to Velen um, Skelliger is a separate place and there is a load between it but um, yeah, you you could you could walk across Velen into Novigrad without a single load scene, which I think is quite impressive. Yeah. Um Skellige is it reminded me a lot this time, um of Assassin's Creed um Odyssey. Right. Which obviously I had not played um when I first played The Witcher Three because it hadn't come out. No. So I pl- I played it and, and this reminded me a lot of it. I'd forgotten um, that you could use boats and you could sail from island to island in that way. And again, it changes the gameplay a bit because you are traveling from island to island. You've got, again, a lot of verticality in Skellige. 
you've got the mountains that you can climb all the way up um it's very pretty it's very viking um i don't know what you think of skelliger I, I i was in skelliger for maybe a couple of hours um but the word i'd probably use for it is it's quite vast like you could go from being on on the sea um or being in like a slightly forested area or whatever to then like looking at these huge snow-covered mountains it is very varied um but skelliger is the area of the game that i played the least of because it was around that time that I, I fell off um so i got a lot further than i did the previous two times that i played the game but yeah skelliger was the one that i least played if you know what i mean and on top of that you've got care which is the witcher stronghold and you've got the countryside around there which you get to explore quite a bit later in the game um you've got uh you've got um my, my brain's gone blank Emperor um, Emirvar Emirates's um, palace. Um, I can't. I can't think of the name. The, the so yeah. Anyway, you've got that. That's a very small area. Um, with the DLC, you've got the whole of. Um, again, my my brain has gone blank, and it's very annoying. It will come to me. But the blood and wine expansion. Re- yeah, so it's the blood and wine expansion. But I'm I'm thinking of the area. I, I think it begins with T. Um, but you've got this whole area which is again completely different from anything else because it's mm. like very very high well very almost childlike fantasy but then you've got those dark elements again so from a distance it looks like there's a huge palace at the center and it looks like the disney palace it's um the name will come to me um yeah but yeah so, so that's another very interesting area, and I, and I just like the ver- the variety in these regions and the different um, level design for them. Um, okay, so do you want to talk a bit about the side quests and how they work, and any good ones, and 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 if they're good, what do you think makes them good, and if they're bad, what do you think makes them bad? So, I I saw that the, the main one that I messed with was the the bloody barrel one because I tried to push through this game as fast as I could. Um, and the Bloody Baron's side quest, it kind of links in with the uh, the main quest, doesn't it? Um, yeah. In terms of the reason that you, you go to the Bloody Baron is because um, he has a story as to why he knows where Ciri is or what happened. And that's primarily the reason that you do a lot of the side quests in this game, to find out what happened with Ciri um and what the person that you're talking to like what their vibe is in terms of what they know but in order to get that story out of them to help you you need to do a side quest so the place was Toussaint that was what I was thinking I knew it began with T France Um, I started to search it and then it came back to me so yeah um so I really like the side quests in this game I think by the time when I first played this game, I did everything. Every side quest that I found, I did. And I think when you're invested in this game and when you're hooked on this game like I was then, I I really enjoy it, the side quests. I think there's more to them usually than go here, fetch three apples, <laughs> come back. Which yeah. Is, which is the standard side quest template. Um, some of these side quests are really interesting and there's 
it will get you invested in a character that you didn't really care about beforehand. Um, there's some great stuff with some of the friendly characters that can appear in the final quest. They're sort of side missions, but they're almost sort of secondary main missions. Um, there's there's some really nice stuff with Triss in Novigrad. Um, you go off to like a, a manor house and you're at a party there and you're fitting in with the guests and then you then invariably um, some stuff happens and you, you're fighting and you're going through a maze and yeah there's some some good stuff there and and I think this game does side quests well I don't know why that is um, I think because they actually I think it's very simple I think this game invested time and probably money and budget into the side quest. Yeah, more so than the main quest, maybe. Yeah, and the games that mimic this game, for example, some of the newer Assassin's Creed games, is something that I think they don't do quite so well because they're still not investing as much in their side content as The Witcher 3 does. Um, there's a there's a very nice side quest which I want to get onto, but first um, I want to talk a bit about the romance in this game. You, you've think, got uh, just we, to just to note as well. Just um, you've got the contracts as well, which because um, yeah. obviously Geralt is a Witcher. It's his job to you know take up contracts and remove monsters or or whatever from from the land. So you can pick up contracts and like one of them that I remember from relatively early on is the one with the soldiers, um, the missing soldiers, and you have got to kill the ghouls. Um, but like I, I'm. I didn't do a load of the contracts, but I'm guessing that throughout the game, more and more contracts come up and they, they scale in difficulty. Yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of creatures in this game that you can uh, run into. It's got yeah. a very... Sometimes we talk about a limited bestiary, but here we've got... Yeah, you've got a lot of them, and I suppose it comes with being a witcher that you have to have a lot of monsters. Quite. But yes, the um, romance, I do apologise. Yeah, so... Any Witcher fan, it's always a bit of a controversial one. Um, Triss or Yennefer. Yeah, but then there's also other characters that, that people people like. Um, so my question for you is, uh, the way I've phrased it here, is Triss, Yennefer or someone else? I, to be fair, because I didn't do a load of stuff with Triss, um, I, did, I, I did all of the main stuff with Triss, but because Yennefer was the one that I'd kind of met from the start, I would say probably Yennefer. Um, and I know that depending on how you play this game, you can have different endings. Either you end up with Yennefer or you end up with Triss. Or if you tell them both that you love them or something, they'll like tie you to a bed at the end of the game or something um, to get revenge. Yeah, but there's like a two-timing scene like there was in Persona 5. Persona, yeah. Um, but no, I'd, I'd probably say Yennefer um, just because she's there from the start and I had the most engagement I suppose with her and plus she looks a little bit like Liv Tyler from uh, when she played Arwen in Lord of the Rings so you know that's nice as well um, what about you um that's that's a funny one a... you weren't expecting that were you no I wasn't um so I uh, there are some um some people that have read the books that that, that have the same um opinion as me but lots of people that read the books like Yennefer because in the books 
it's kind of set up that Yennefer is is Geralt's soulmate um, because the first book is called The Last Wish and the last story within The Last Wish is called The Last Wish and basically Geralt wishes that he and Yennefer will never be apart. Um, I am not the biggest fan of Yennefer. I think um, which She's one very cold. folk... Yeah, so Witcher 1 and 2 focus more heavily on the Triss Geralt um, relationship. As I said, I don't think um, Yennefer appears in The Witcher 2, and I've not got far enough into The Witcher 1 to know. Um, so here, Yennefer is. The way that the story is set up, Yennefer plays a more a bigger role than Triss, but it's because I think Triss played, played such a, a large role in the previous two games. Um Triss's role in, in the books is very much present. She's there um, and she's an important character, but she is secondary to Yennefer basically throughout the books. There, there are periods where um, Geralt and Triss will have a relationship for a long period, but it always comes back to Yennefer. Um, and I don't like... This is probably a controversial thing to say for Witcher fans. I don't really like Yennefer. Um, there's a, there's a point in the books where she's very, very, very cruel to to Geralt, and basically um, cheats on him, and doesn't really do much apologising, as she never does. And she is cold, and I don't think she's that likable. Um, I'm sure lots of people will say she is likable, and that she's her that the uh, the factors that reduce it are oh she loves Geralt and she loves Siri well that to me that doesn't excuse that she's not a very nice person those things don't um, lessen that so uh, I always like Triss more I think Triss is especially in the game she's just really well voiced um, yeah I, I just think she's she's sweet and nice and charming but also clever and capable and can hold her own and she'll stand up to Geralt and sometimes she can be manipulative. Um, I think Triss is a great character. And... I, I, I did I did pursue um, like a little... I don't, I don't know if it turns into anything at the end of the game or it can be something that can become anything, but, you know, the um, the Kira sorceress Metz. from the start of the game, from Velen. Yeah, Kira, Kira Metz. Yeah, that's it, Kira. Um, she makes you, like, chase her through the forest or something in her pants. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like she, she, she seemed like a good character. And I think in terms of the female characters, it seems like a lot of them are written quite well and that they're not just yeah. there for Geralt to pursue. Like they've got characters behind them as well. And maybe it's because I didn't get to a point where Siri is in it a lot, but I wanted there to be more of Siri because I thought she was interesting. She's a great character. She's very strong and um, yeah, very well done. Yeah, I, I liked what I saw of Siri, but obviously it wasn't enough because I didn't finish it or get far enough to, to you know find her and it be it be you know a big part of the game. So yeah, I was I was disappointed that Siri doesn't become more involved earlier, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you do. I think obviously when you find her. You, you get to see a lot more of her and in a way she's the dominant character at yeah. that point and some of the really focal stuff that happens happens around her and Geralt isn't really so there's a fight um, during the, the siege at Kaer Morum 
which involves her and, as I said, Vesemir's death. Yeah. But at that point, Geralt's frozen and he's really not in the picture. Um, you'll have to play it to, to understand um, what I mean. Yeah. But So, yeah, I think they do the characters really well. and, and But, um, yeah, always, always Triss. And even in even in the uh, TV show. Um, although I think uh, Yennefer's very well cast in the TV show, but I'm still vying for Triss. Team Triss. Just, yeah, um, uh, yeah, very much so. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So here is the question of the week. It's a bit of a longer episode, but um, as I said, I'm quite a big fan of this series, so I did I did want to talk about it. Sometimes I'm very looking, very much looking forward to talking about the game that we're well, pretty rarely looking forward to talking about the game that we're going to talk about. This is one of those times. Yeah, um, that that that'll be me in two games time. So we take it in turns. In two games' time, we are playing Tetris. No, that's next game. <laughs> I thought, yeah. <laughs> Disco Elysium. <laughs> in, uh, in two games' time, we're playing um, Blobby Tales. That's right, yeah. Um, as, as well as that, Blobby is also the fourth person that you can romance in Witcher 3. Uh, you can have the, 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 the Blobby path. Um, yeah. And uh, you unlock something called Blobby Love, which is nice. <laughs> Like skinny love, but blobby love. Yeah, blobby love. That's right. And you know, when when you do pursue the thing with Mister Blobby, then you come out and you get some kind of infection that puts little yellow spots all over your body. Um, nice. That's 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 and the blobby path. That's like what I'll um, give you. Does it look at all like Blobby as Strider from Lord of the Rings? That's it. Yep, that's right. The worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Someone uh, for our listener who doesn't know what we're talking about, someone has basically edited. Um, the scene in Brie in the inn in the Fellowship of the Ring <laughs> in the Fellowship of the Ring someone has edited out Strider uh, Aragorn and put in Blobby and then <laughs> sat at the table smoking a pipe it just looks menacing looking and horrible ominous. I hate it I showed my girlfriend it and she said that's horrifying <laughs> yeah it is awful no oh dear gotta laugh um, yeah anyway on to the question of the week so First, I'm going to start with a bit of a fact that I don't think you'll know, but it's true. They, someone, um, some development studio, bought the rights to make a Witcher game all the way back in the 90s. I believe it was going to be going to be released on the Nintendo 64, um, maybe PC. And there, is, there are there is there are screenshots of that game. I don't know if there's footage as well, um, but I think it was seen as too ambitious for that time. Yeah, I think when you look at the games. You can see that yeah, of course, too ambitious for that time. Um, but these games were games based on books. Um, the games came before the TV show, and the yeah. games certainly aren't based on the TV show. But they're games very much based on books. So my question of the week is: Why haven't we seen more games based on books? Um, I don't know. You see a lot of books based on games, don't you? Um, you know, you see quite a lot of game series that have books written about them following the games, like the Halo books. There are quite a few of them, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of others off the top of my head. But I don't really know. I, I think... Uh, I suppose an easier question then. Do you think that books lend themselves well to games? Yeah, 100%. I think that most media 
can lend itself well to games. Obviously, you've you've just seen um, you've just seen The Last of Us on HBO um, come out, which was a TV series that that came from the game, and a lot of people I've seen like online saying, you know, people that aren't gamers saying, why have we never realised that games can have such deep stories? Like gamers tell us what we should play, what should we watch, what should we do, and I think that depending on not every book obviously but i think depending on the kind of book it is like fantasy books stuff like that they work well for games because you can really make that world your own i guess um so i think if there were more games based off books i think it would be a good thing dependent on what the source material is and you could even argue that um the new Hogwarts legacy game is based off a book because it, all of that stems from the original Harry yeah, Potter books, doesn't true. it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's become one of the biggest franchises in the world, um, rightly or wrongly, depending on what your thoughts are on, um, you know, all of, all of that with JK Rowling, it can't be denied that the wizarding world stuff that's come from the Harry Potter books is, you know, as big as if not, if not bigger than things like James Bond or, or star Wars or star Trek, you know, it's huge. Yep. Um, yeah. But obviously, it's more common that you see films made from books. Um, and again, the first thing that comes to mind there is The Hunger Games. Um, you know, that was a successful film series based off the book. Same with Twilight. Um, so it depends on the source material, I suppose. So, why do you think it's less of a risk to make a film based on a book, which you get all the time, than to make a game based on a book? Because a film only lasts two and a half hours where a game can last up to well, hundreds of hours. Um, and it's a safer bet, isn't it, for a studio to make a film because even if it flops, they will have the the, 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 the fan base of the, of the book will go and see it. Whereas maybe the fan base of, I don't know, a book is it because doesn't have they don't have access to play video games you know it's a lot easier for someone to go to the cinema than it is for them to maybe play a video yeah, game if well, they don't have a console say. yeah yeah i think there are more people that view films especially casually yeah than play games it's more accessible um, yeah so maybe you're right i think i think it is to do with the level of risk when you think about it making something like the witcher originally when when the witcher one came out was probably a very big risk. Yes, you had this wealth of source material, these books that were very popular in Poland, but used used to take years, sometimes decades, to come over to the UK. Mm. Um, so I said that I, I started my binge of reading the Witcher books. Um, what happened was I got to the point where I was waiting for the next book to be published over here in the UK, translated and published. Um, so I had to wait a couple of times. I, I, I caught up, basically, even though some of these books have been written years earlier. That's what people did with Game of Thrones, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And because of the translation element, it's, it's slightly different. But yeah, I, I got to the point where I was waiting for the next book to come out and uh, I could read it. So when you think about it that way, it was, it was such a big risk for this kind of unknown studio, CG, CD project, to to create this game and and I, and I do think which lends itself especially well to games but yeah. they didn't have 
necessarily that worldwide audience that was going to buy the game and and it did take a few so so the witcher one only came out on pc and it was compared to the witcher 3 a, a small release um witcher 2 was a larger release also came out on xbox 360 and then witcher 3 obviously they'd made decent money from the witcher 2 and they had in a way one of the things that surprised me playing the witcher 3 was that the game was a the scale and the scope that it was and that it was this groundbreaking game from this developer that wasn't Rockstar, that wasn't Nintendo, that wasn't Sony. Um, yet it was it was innovating and it was doing something different and it was um, it was creating trends that your Assassin's Creed's would follow. Um, to me, that's what surprised me playing this game, how it got so much right considering it wasn't the game that had a rock star budget yeah and 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 that even thinking about it now i still find it surprising um okay so we've talked a bit about that and now i think we're ready for our wrap-up does the witcher 3 wild hunt deserve to be on the metacritic top 100 list i don't know objectively yeah but subjectively no not really like i enjoy elements of it but i just found it to be I don't know. It 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 wasn't for me. Um, yeah. And you know that that isn't me saying. Oh, you know, I tried it, and I played it for two hours, and I couldn't get into it. Like I've tried to play this game three times over the past uh, three, eight years, seven, eight years, uh, and this time was the furthest that I got into it. But you can tell from the way that I talk about it. Like I just didn't find anything to be particularly memorable with this game. Like some of the locations are all right, um, and you know, Novigrad stands out to me more than any other. But none of the side quests really struck me, and yeah, I do struggle with fantasy RPG games to some extent. I love Final Fantasy, but I see Final Fantasy as being a little bit different. And something that I've noticed recently is that. RPG games, I kind of struggle with them. Jap- like Japanese developed RPG games, I seem to be all right with. But westernized RPG games, I think I struggle a bit more with, and I don't know why that is. Um, but yeah, for me, it doesn't deserve to be here, but I can understand why the people think it does. Um, it's, it's a good it's game, but it just is not for me. Yeah, sometimes... We get that, don't we? Yeah, um, and I think another reason for that is the amount of hype that surrounds this game. Um, yeah, and I, it was a I very call hyped it game that generation. Yeah, and I, I call that um, that in a own personalized way the Harry Brown effect. So, do you remember the film Harry Brown that came out in twenty ten? Yeah, I think I think you mentioned it on the the, the podcast before, but but reiterate. Yeah, so I haven't heard when the, there's a film that came out. I think in about twenty ten with Michael Caine in it called Harry Brown. And when it came out, everyone was like, that, that film's amazing. That's the best film I've ever seen. Oh, it was incredible. I loved it. And like, I waited a few months. So I eventually watched it. I was like, was that it? Like, it was good, but like, it wasn't worth all the hype. And because I'd listened to all the hype around it for so long, and I hadn't really ridden the hype train, but I was just aware that everyone thought it was the best thing ever, my expectations were too high for it. And I think that might be the case with The Witcher 3. Um, I've tried to go into it three times with high expectations, but it just hasn't delivered 
on the expectations that I had for it because people had played it up so much. Um, you know, it's the same for games like No Man's Sky. It, that game could never deliver on what people expected it to be because the hype train was just so crazy. Um, and it's only once in a blue moon that people will hype a game up to a certain level and it delivers. So, yeah, I, I think that might have tainted it a little bit for me as well. Um, but yes, those are my thoughts on it. I think um, when you play games or you, you invest in any sort of media or you any sort of um, outlet, for you to for for anyone to enjoy it, it's got to touch you in a certain way. You've got to it's got to strike you in a certain way, and sometimes you can't say why that is. Sometimes you can't say, for example, why um, all those years ago Final Fantasy VII struck you, or why Majora's Mask struck me so deeply, or um, the other games that I love. And sometimes it's a place in time, and it's the right game for the right time, and and. Yeah. Witcher for me is one of those series and, and I think I think playing The Witcher 3 again it it's not The Witcher 3 is part of it, the game is part of it but I do love The Witcher series and I think that's this is just reiterated that for me yeah i'm reading the books again i just i love to me it's i don't know what it is i just think it's such a brilliant um level of escapism that that strikes me in just the right way yeah um sometimes people speak to you in a way that that really resonates and you can't put your finger on why that is but it's almost like Andre Sapkowski, the, the the writer of the Witcher books, is speaking my language, and, and maybe because he's he has, I don't know, I don't know, maybe he has similar, yeah, I don't know, imaginings to me. I don't know what it sure. is, but and so I think sometimes that happens, and that happened with the Witcher, and I didn't expect it to, and it caught me off guard, and and I I would, I mean, I think you, the listener, and you. Um, could can hear uh you, you say that obviously you weren't passionate but i was obviously i think you can tell when i'm awake in an episode and i was awake this time compared to yeah. being half asleep um and and that's because it's the witcher and i would put the witcher on maybe a handful of things that i am very passionate about and it would be on there with james bond um some other stuff <laughs> but not many things yeah. and I think it's because I love the world. I love the characters. And to me, The Witcher 3, as a realisation of that, is just great. And, and it paints pictures to the things that I've imagined in my head. It puts voices and, and visuals to characters that I've seen in my mind. And it doesn't mean that the gameplay is the best, my favourite thing ever, yeah. as I said. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not flawed it is flawed in that there are some very gamey things in there like the sat nav which totally does not belong to belong in the game yeah there's the there's the auto riding horses that have become that the time were lauded as something oh it's so convenient um but now you see it in every game and do you really need autopilot <laughs> in video games where you're switching off um yeah switching off as you're traveling through the land and then it's a game that really very much popularised, along with a number of other games, popularised fast travelling. Yep. Um, you will fast travel all over this game. 
and so it's got those those drawbacks but to me as a realization of the the witcher world and seeing those characters and seeing those creatures i think it's more creative and it adds more fantasy it sounds strange but to me i i was watching the tv show with my girlfriend and she's a big fan of game of thrones and i said and i and i've seen um, all of game of thrones but i've not read the books admittedly I said to me the difference between The Witcher and Game of Thrones is that Game of Thrones is very political and it's very it's very real at times and it and it could be yeah. a real place um, just in a fantasy. It's a setting. political drama, really. Yeah, whereas The Witcher is fantastical and it's it's got almost magical elements. Like you 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 mentioned to me the Godling, um, which is like the the, the unborn baby thing that you yeah. see, and just that on its own. How many games would you see that in? Most games would be afraid to show that. Yeah, well, it, it, it it's a, it's effectively a, a cursed, miscarried fetus, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's, it's it's so dark. Yeah, and creepy, and the game has dark elements, but the world is full of color, and to me, that makes it very special. And I, I think um, I think Witcher Two may very well be on my list, and you'll see the differences between that game, which to me is actually a much more focused game with better designed areas um, than The Witcher Three. Yeah. But, so we may see that on my personal list. But yes, this game does deserve to be there for me, and maybe a bit higher for me. Maybe not top twenty or anything like that. Maybe it would be. I don't know. Um, or maybe Witcher Two would be. But. Mm a witcher game high up would would make me happy but i don't know if it would be this one or witcher 2 um, you like when it all is said and done yeah i'm a, i'm a fan of it and i think i've gushed over it enough good well it, it, it's nice when when we get to cover games that we that we like and we're passionate about i think you've you've had a few and i've had a few on the list so far um and, i've had three and it, it, it it's it's always interesting when we disagree on something as well because it doesn't happen too often so i think it's nah. it's a good convo um but yeah so that ties up um which are three so what's i think we mentioned it earlier but what's next week please blobby tales blobby tales um feature it yeah on the switch with mr and mrs blobby see you then (laughs) but if we don't go ahead with blobby tales what will it be it will be tetris effect connected is that right yeah i think so um so like like um like you mentioned in the last episode i think uh we're having to to spruce up the last part of the list because yes the only two games still left in the original 100 are half-life alex and breath of the wild and coming off the back of witcher 3 to immediately do breath of the wild within a week um it wouldn't do the game any favors and it wouldn't do us yeah it's not realistic any favors um, so we're going to start putting in some of the additional games that have made it into the top 100 since we put the list together. Um, I think we mentioned before there's seven or eight games. Um, so this will mean that our latter 50 list um, might be a little bit different or we can do some playing around with that. But yeah, so next week we have got Tetris Effect connected. Uh, then we're taking a week off. And then the week after that we mentioned we're doing Disco Elysium. Um, yes 
So April, yeah. as you mentioned during the last episode, is going to be a bit more spotty because we've both got holidays, mm. but we will be getting some games in there. Um, so yeah, keep 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 listening. And, yes. Um, but yeah, as always, really. you can uh, you can find us on social media or email us at the long short of it podcast at hotmail.com um feel free to share our episodes wherever you listen whether it's itunes spotify podcast app i've forgotten the name of all of the cod 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 past cod podcast um but yes that's that's it for us before i start saying other words that don't exist uh anything else from you this week no that's it from me lovely we'll see you next week for tetris effect and in the meantime take care cheerio See you on the next one.